Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 45 of the Seed Struck Movie Podcast. My name is John. Joining me today is my co-host, Curtis. How's it going, man? Hello. It's going pretty well, man. Just went for a nice walk outside. Saved a bee's life, so that was very important. I am. Had a nice time with my girlfriend. How's your? How are you doing? Ah, uh, good. Well, I mean, today it's it's pretty early on my end. It's 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 about eleven eleven right now. Uh, you know, make a wish. It, uh, it's it's pretty hot though. I went out. As uh, I, I was joking with Curtis, I'm wearing my tank top, so I got like the the beach yeah, uh, the beach out, tire guns going. Out. <laughs> the guns are out. Yeah, I got the beach tire going on. It's pretty pretty hot out today, but uh, yeah, looking forward to a good day. Um, watched a lot of stuff recently. Excited to talk about too. as did you. Um, but actually, before we get into what we watched, we, as we do, we go through our watch series, stuff we've added. Uh, but before we even get to that, is there anything else you want to mention or, or note before we get in the swing of things? Uh, any uh, any crazy shenanigans happened last week? We haven't seen you in a week, so it's been oh, uh, yeah. Been a what, while. what did I do? Yeah, I was in I was in uh, Israel and Palestine, and then I was in UK, and yeah, I didn't go anywhere too fancy. So I uh, yeah, just working on research mostly. I think so. I didn't. Nice. I don't think I did anything too crazy this last week. I feel like I did, but I don't remember it. I went. I went to a midsummer party actually because it's a Swedish midsummer on Friday. That's so right. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like wear a white jacket and join a cult or anything. But my uh, my girlfriend <laughs> made these beautiful floral crowns for everyone at the party, and that was really really nice. And my friend is uh, sw- uh, Swedish, and his girlfriend is Scottish, so it was very uh, it was very multicultural actually. So it was oh, very nice. Cool, cool. So. No, no, uh, no weird, weird, weird. Uh, cult yeah, you didn't drink any period tea or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or exactly. That. No magical properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Curtis, what did you add recently uh, to your watch list? Yeah, so I added a couple. Um, so I've been doing a lot of research on um, incels and um, intelligent systems and literary narratives. So I want to watch the Spike Jones film, Her, with Hakeem Phoenix. I haven't watched it yet. And I think um, mm-hmm. Hakeem, uh, Scarlett Johansson plays the... Um, the, the kind of AI too and she has obviously this really sexy voice yeah. too so I was kind of interested in thinking about that too and I'm, I'm also really interested in how kind of a lot of these AI are kind of gendered too so obviously yeah, there it's very true. sexualized too especially with a lot of recent uh, AI depictions so yeah. kind of like I that, that was a similar story too with like Shibikander. yeah because I mean she's sexy Alicia Vikander you know like sque- Swedish hot really hot girl you know and like <laughs> obviously very gendered uh, take on it so on one hand it's like really good that they're like taking on all these idea- feminist ideas but at the same time she's also kind of being objectified in a way yeah. too. um so i mean i had that problem with with the recent film men to alex garland's new one too because i mm-hmm. i liked what he was trying to do but it also felt like um you know it was a bit problematic too because it was being told by a, a male voice yeah and, you know, hey ladies don't yeah. you think men are bad i'm here to tell yeah. you what you really think yeah. like, all right, i'm man, better than all room. those other guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, well intentioned but i think just yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah, and I also want to watch. I haven't watched this David Cronenberg one. Um, I, I want to watch Existence, which I don't know if yeah. you've seen that one. No, I've heard. I've yeah. heard a lot of people bring it up, especially in context of uh, his most recent film and stuff. A lot of people, uh, and I've seen Crash, and Crash is like one of my favorite movies. Mm. So I'm, I, I'm, I've got a lot of sp- like gaps in Cronenberg after a lot of his '80s fare. I've seen like barely any of his stuff. So I'm, I've actually yeah, been started working my way through through his filmography. Because uh, I really liked that one, Spider with Ralph Fiennes. That was really good. And that was like a late 90s one. Not a lot of people know about that one. Because I was like, I think he was doing so much body horror at the time. You know, he did Crash. And then he did like Spider. And Spider kind of went under the radar. And Ralph Fiennes is a character with schizophrenia. And yeah. it's just such a good movie. But nobody really watches that one. You know, they always skip to like History of Violence or Crash or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, he's got so much good stuff out there. So I thought that'd be cool to check out. It's on Tubi. Uh, I also wanted to watch, I don't think it's it'll be a good movie. But it's the movie Witness. It's like. Harrison Ford's character investigates this uh, crime in the Amish community. 
um, I, I may might be kind of one of those hammy 80s, 90s, uh, you know, crime thrillers, but I mean, I maybe I, I, I might watch it. <laughs> and then the other one I want to watch because uh, I love uh, Brad Derif, um is Spontaneous Combustion. And uh, it's by, directed by Toby Hooper. It came in the 80s. Oh, cool. It's about this guy, as, as you probably guessed, you know, he, has, he can spontaneously combust. <laughs> I don't really know what the that story is. That was such is, a big but... deal, like, as a kid. I remember yeah. reading all about spontaneous combustion. It feels like no one spontaneously combusts anymore. Probably because yeah, of you the be... advent of less smoking and better furniture that doesn't fucking catch And, you know, unless you're in Spinal Tap, maybe you don't you don't spontaneously combust. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so, yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't think this movie is very good. Uh, yeah. I mean... I don't like a lot of Toby Hooper's other stuff besides obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist, but I might kind of get drunk and watch it maybe. <laughs> so that's, uh, those are my fantastic four this cool. week. What did you, what did you add to your list? Yeah, I've got a, I got a few, a few ones on my list. Uh, the first one is a film that came out in 2020. I actually saw the trailer for this. Um, I think it was back in April, May, right after the lockdowns ended in Ontario. So theaters were back open. And this was like one of the first times I think I went to the movies. I saw a trailer for this one that really struck me called, uh, it's a documentary called Dave Not Coming Back. Um, my understanding about the tra- watching the trailer and reading a little bit about it, but not too much, is that it follows uh, two di- divers who are attempting uh, like a world record dive. Um, and the thing about it is like going down, like with, if you know about diving, of course, with pressure and stuff, it's like going down is easy. It takes like a few, not a few minutes, but depends how long your dive is, but it takes a very short amount of time to dive down, but coming back up takes an excruciating amount of time. It's kind of always interesting to think of like diving in context to like, you know, mountaineers, because mountaineering is almost very similar with like dealing with pressure and the environments and, you know, a couple of wrong moves can like put you in dire situations and diving is almost very similar in that regard too. Um, but it's about uh, two divers that go down and uh, along the way, they actually discover a body and they're are trying to kind of get the body recovered and kind of tragedy ensues. And so I, I the trailer looked really kind of, I would check actually ask people to go check out the trailer for Dave not coming back. It looks very kind of uh, interesting, distinct, kind of mysterious. Um, really interested to check that one out. And uh, is, is, second, it a do- is it document? Is it documentary? Or is it a? Yeah, a, it's like it's real- told as like a documentary oh, right, okay. style, I believe. Yeah, from from my cool. from my memory, it's been a while since I've seen the trailer, but it, it looks like it's told kind of uh, like through piecemeal kind of footage they took. Because hmm. again, they were actually attempting this like record dive, so they had camera stuff and everything. So um, excited to kind of check it out. Although I'm sure it's going to be a feel bad uh, uh, movie. <laughs> and uh, the second one is actually one I've seen before, but it's been God years and years and years. Yeah, uh, the classic Todd Haynes kind of infamous 1988 film, uh, Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. If any of you don't Mm -hmm. really know about this movie, this movie as a kid growing up was like a massive cult hit where like you couldn't buy it anywhere because famously, uh, I think it was uh, Karen Carpenter's brother, you know, after she passed away, like had sued Todd Haynes who directed this film. And um, as a result, the movie can't be sold anywhere. You can find it online. It's it's probably, it's probably on YouTube now. (laughs) I think, I think it actually is on YouTube or probably on like Vimeo or some one, maybe it's on Russian YouTube if you can get on it. It's uh... (laughs) it's, it's such a sad story too, because I mean, she was so talented, Karen Carpenter. And then, you know, her, and then, you know, I think it was bulimia or was it anorexia? I think she she had, I think I want to say it was both, but uh, kind of like one of the first cases, uh, well, not the first case, certainly, but like kind of like one of the first real big public cases of like of anorexia and bulimia that kind of like really like hit the mainstream and like her and you know as you're saying like she was such a talented musician famously a really amazing drummer uh there's footage of her like um like live drumming and she's like fucking sounds Adam away Phil Collins <laughs> that was what she, the music she wanted to make but she kind of ended up getting pigeonholed into like being like kind of more a singer mm-hmm. kind of like a temporary like Carly Simon singer songwriter type but I mean she's really great at it she was a musical genius but famously this biopic is actually told using Barbie dolls it kind of splices Barbie dolls with actual footage so kind of a little bit of commentary on like you know the women's looks and beauty and how we kind of you know 
um, look at body image issues, which kind of relates to the movie I watched this week too. Mm. Um, so and the it's pressure, the pressure of start the stardom too, you know, like, yeah, I saw pressure. it on the internet. I think I watched it on the internet as a kid, like fucking decades ago. It probably took me like two, three, four hours. Just to <laughs> Hannibal, Holoca- Hannibal, Hannibal Holocaust. And then this one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was a, it was a double billing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to kind of watch it again. Cause uh, it's, it's been ages. And yeah, I love the carpenters too. So I'd, I'd be interested to check it out. And the last one is one I've also been wanting to watch for years. Um, I got tuned onto this cause I, I went through a big documentary kick kind of when I was in high school, early university, where like I was almost just exclusively pretty much the only thing shit I was watching from like 2008 to like 2015 was like, uh, if it wasn't brand new movies or like TV, it was like documentaries and like shitty found footage movies. So that was like my fucking <laughs> go-to. But this is one that's considered like one of the, you know, most important American documentaries of all time. It's the Barbara Koppel's 1976 documentary, uh, Harlan County, USA, which kind of chronicles um, this coal miner strike in Kentucky. And I believe it kind of interviews a lot of the, the people who live there, this kind of decades of strife that's happened uh, between the miners who are striking for kind of improved working conditions and rights and the kind of the, the people who own the, the, the coal plant, the coal mines and the factories and stuff like that. So um, really powerful stuff and kind of really like importance in the context of like kind of the Appalachian area in the American South and kind of the struggle for labor. Um, really interested to check this one out. It's I remember seeing the trailer for it like years and years ago and it looked really, really interesting. So I feel like of, I feel like I've seen of, it. I've seen it. I'm not sure maybe I'm mixing up with something else, but I I think I really enjoyed it when I did see it. But I I, I can't remember anything about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like probably been a while. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna check it out and I'll I'll, I'll let you let you guys know about it. But uh, keep, keep us in yeah. the loop, yeah. Yeah. And anyways, why don't we get into what we watched? You watched one that I watched recently, so excited to chat that one. And uh, yeah. Yeah, why don't you kick us off, Hooker? Well, yeah, so I watched quite a few things this week, too. Yeah. So uh, obviously, super excited for the return of Beavis and Butthead. I love Beavis yeah, and Butthead. Yeah. Carl, Carl Sagan once said that Beavis and Butthead represent the uh, decline of Western civilization. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with Carl Sagan a lot of things, but not with that, because I, I think they're yeah. kind of these idiot savants. And they actually kind of point a lot of the failings of the society, too. And they point to like uh, a lot of kind of issues, um, you know, across the board too. Yeah. But the new movie, uh, they go, these fucking idiots go to <laughs> yeah, space and they get up to usual sh- shenanigans. And there's a, uh, you know, they make fun of Rick and Morty and, you know, they go, there's multiverses. And cool. it, if you like Beavis and Butthead, it is, it is great. I think it's just as good as the Beavis and Butthead yeah. to America. Nice to see Mike Judge back. I think they're going to get a new TV series coming soon too. I heard a lot. Of, I heard a lot of good reviews about it. It seems like people are really into it. It's really good. Yeah. yeah, it's on. It's on Paramount Plus, which is a bit of a pain because, like, I mean, there's nothing else on Paramount Plus. Well, except but, uh, the 1883, all those fucking Western shows. 1883, you love, you're like, yeah, 1883, love 1883. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it, it was really great. So definitely cool. worth watching. Uh, my actually the best movie I watched uh, all year. I watched this week to is uh, well of the year i would say so far is uh, Bl- the black phone i don't know if you've oh, heard wow. of that one no yeah, no is that um, the uh, ethan hawk one that just got came out or yeah like, yeah stuff, it's it's by the director of sinister and yeah. he was the, the director i think his name is derrickson he was supposed to do the new uh, doctor strange movie but he pulled out of that mm-hmm. and he did this movie instead which i think is much more exciting anyway and it's cool. an adaptation of joe hill's short story uh, he's the son of Stephen King. Yeah. So if you like Stephen King too, there's like kind of it aesthetic, which I think works really well. So, you know, there's children in danger and children get killed in gruesome ways and like <laughs> the fucking psychotic bullies and they get shit kicked. Yeah, the bullies, the bullies the are always like total fucking psychopaths and all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're really bad. And you could tell like yeah. Stephen King and his, his son were like bullied in school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Like the child acting in this was really, really good. Like oh. it's the, the main characters are this uh, this little boy and he gets kidnapped. Uh, and then he's try he's in this this like sicko's basement played by Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk was amazing in it. Oh, yeah. And then he has this black phone on the wall, and the black phone keeps ringing. And every time he answers the phone, um, it's the victims of the uh, 
of the the the, the pedophile serial killer oh, you know um and it was really good i thought maybe that the problem was uh, is that ethan hawk is a serial killer like he was perfect in the role but he was too subdued like he, you didn't see him like whack the child or anything or like abuse yeah. him or anything and I think, you know, maybe that, that would have been too extreme, but I think maybe it just felt a little bit. It would have gave him more like danger or made him feel more threatening. Yeah. So. Give, give me danger, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the two, two children are really good too. So the, the main boy, but actually I liked his sister even more. Gwen, she was amazing. And I think her last name is McGraw and oh, she's just such a badass. She like swears about Jesus and she swears about like, <laughs> she swears at the cops, which I thought was great. This like 10 year old child. And then she, uh, her, her brother's getting his ass kicked by the bullies and she takes a fucking rock and like wallops one of the bullies. And I'm like, oh my God, she's like my favorite character. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's another character the the dad is 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 really interesting too because he plays the dad is well it's you know t- typical Stephen King dad it's like you know mm. alcoholic abusive father but like the father also really loves and cares about his children so it's that kind of dichotomy like you know he's he's a terrible alcoholic and an abuser but he's also this very caring parent so it's tricky to reconcile those aspects but I think that film does really well with it too it's beautiful cool. aesthetic I watched a cam version so I mean maybe what try watch the uh, the uh, online or or in theaters if you can because it is a really cinematic experience and I I thought it was great I liked it even more than New Beavis and Butthead and that's saying a lot oh, wow. so that I watched that I also watched uh, the Toolbox Murders from 1977 that's oh, another cool. uh, video nasty uh, fucking sucked <laughs> um, oh really oh it's on yeah, Shutter is Toolbox- it uh, yeah it was it was on Shutter I think yeah I was on yeah. Shutter and um, basically this guy goes around killing women with you know the tools in his toolbox and the first half of the film like the first 20 minutes are you know pretty intense you could this killer going around killing people and then like the second half of the film is like this kind of crime mystery or whatever too and you know the brother has this weird friend and like the this 14 year old girl gets kidnapped i'm like what kind of movie is this (laughs) and um yeah it it was just really tedious I, i really didn't like it and uh uh, yeah it kind of had that cult following i guess but um at the time i think in the, when it came on the 70s there was also these serial killers called the toolbox murders of two sickos in california um so um I, maybe they're trying to capitalize on that with the title i don't know but yeah i didn't maybe watch the first 20 minutes but beyond that it's not very good and i watched um shakma on shutter uh this movie it was like I don't know. They have that whole thing where like this, like these killer animals. And nowadays, you know, it doesn't really seem very sensible because I mean, I think we need more connections with nature and, and the environment. But it's, it's this fucking weird movie, man. It's, it came out in like 1990, and it's yeah. like this. There's this killer baboon. Well, it's played by Man- Mandrill, like like Rafiki in Lion King, mm-hmm. and uh, it's gets it, they make it more aggressive, and then it escapes its its uh, <laughs> it escapes its cage, and then. Um, <laughs> basically for some reason all these like young scientists are playing this like Dungeons and Dragons game in this office building and they start getting killed off one by one by the by the killer mandrel uh, but I think I mean like it sounds terrible right and it is kind of terrible but like I think it was really yeah. cool like how they filmed the scenes with the the baboon because you know the baboon they really riled up the the mandrel and you don't really see like a lot of like killer animal movies with the actual animal like in it too yeah it's true um, usually it's like a grizzly and, where it's a fucking giant suit or something yeah yeah exactly like and this was on this was on shutter and the first the first 45 minutes are kind of this campy like awful like you know sitcom shit you know and then the, mm-hmm. this, the third the third act is is intense as hell as hell you know i thought certain characters were going to make it they killed off you know one character who i thought she was going to make it till the end i was like holy shit like what if what are we in for you know and then uh yeah, the ending was pretty intense, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it 
it wasn't terrible. It, it was okay, but it, I mean, it's worth checking out if you like those kind of movies, I think. And then obviously the last one I watched was uh, Crimes of the Future, which oh, I know yeah, you yeah. saw. Uh, okay. Yeah, we, we had a, we had kind of a pre-discussion, you know, Viggo Mortensen with the long COVID. And like, yeah, I know. He was uh, like me all last week, just like something. <laughs> yeah, around. just just dying. Yeah. I'm glad you're feeling better. I don't know about Vigo, but I was his, his acting was really good. And I was like, yeah. shit, I hope he's okay in real life. I thought uh, Kristen Stewart, I know you, you, I was like, yeah, I, I could see what John means, you know, like she was really, really good in this role, I thought. And I, I just don't like her. Yeah. Yeah, the, the nerdy bureaucrat. Yeah. And uh, Leia Sadu, you know, uh, former Bond girl and also um, uh, in, you know, the French Dispatch. She, she yeah. was awesome as always. And it was really interesting, some of the ideas, because it kind of felt like uh, continuing some of the themes from Crash, you know, with the, yeah. the body body modification as, as a performative spectacle, spectacle to in the commodification of of that too, how they make a profit off it too. And obviously the toll of the consequences too, you know, he has that sickness and they're those two weird assassins. I don't know what, what their role was, but yeah, I, I really liked it. And I guess you yeah. saw it in theaters, right? So that was, yeah. that was even better. Yeah. I, I spoke a lot about it a few weeks ago, but I, I did, I was thinking about it recently because I was reading some really good kind of reviews, uh, particularly one by um, one, of, one of my favorites, Esther Rosenfield, who, who did a little blurb on Letterboxd. And, uh, you know, she was coming at it as like a trans woman and, you know, trans people tend to be very attracted to body horror films is like body horror is almost exclusively focused on kind of the horror we find within ourselves, our own bodies, how we change them and morph them. And a lot of trans kind of people find that comparable to like, the feelings of kind of like body or gender dysmorphia. And so the fil- she, she kind of looked at it as sort of being uh, the film almost as like our our interpretation of art like the whole film is almost like people always commenting on you know i, I looked at it as very autobiographical as like um as salt tensor is almost like being david cronenberg himself he's at like this shell with the ear man and he's kind of watching and he's <laughs> like yeah it's okay and then everyone's like oh he's like well no what do you think about it? he's like oh it's fucking derivative i couldn't help but see a little bit of like yeah, the ears, his the ears, opinion the ears on do or something yeah but uh <laughs> i think it is like the, so much of the movie is is people talking about i don't want to spoil too much of the details but a lot of it is people talking about their feelings of art particularly kind of that big prologue scene that pays off later with the the man and his son you know saying like oh well this is what my son wanted like kind of really like mm. projecting his own feelings on a really yeah. big tragedy and a horrible event and and kind of yeah. how we have to deal with that and even then like in, in an era when seemingly god i mean especially with recent events uh in the united states where it seems like trans people are being attacked more than ever and having yeah, people viciously. passing rules and laws about how they should participate in society Women's and activities and trans sports. people's bodies you know yeah. this is a film that's explicitly about how we handle discussions around kind of art and bodies mm-hmm. and, and how they should be managed and controlled from you know kind of the artists themselves who have kind of their own vested interests and versus government bureaucrats versus like kind of the police system too as well too and i kind of found it interesting that like you know for i think i think a lot of people would find cronenberg stuff to be kind of you know very kind of um um um, you know looking at like different angles and not not like not like a reactionary film but like it's kind of interesting he spends a lot of this film kind of like secretly discussing with like the police about what's going on um kind of like an interesting kind of look there um as someone who kind I of like, feels I like a little com- bit solution with art and kind of the community i love that system. comment too like with the gender fluidity of it too you know because yeah. there are there's that kind of uh trans uh ideas behind it too you know like where he has that kind of vaginal lip you know surgically yeah. add, add to his body too and they're both like really into it too and it just shows that like it it transcends it and he tells Kristen Stewart he's like I can't have sex the old way too because his body has kind of transcended yeah. those kind of limitations and it's actually quite exciting too but it's also you know there's there's a darker side too like we see with that opening scene I guess that's the scene that everyone walked out 
on the, the opening scene I, with the little boy. I, well, I think it might have been the, the ending because, like, I, I, oh, right. I, I, I can't lie because, like, a lot, I, I didn't think the movie was too like gross out shocking, but I thought yeah, that ending autopsy was pretty pretty intense. I'm like, I wouldn't blame yeah. someone for being a little squicked out by it. Yeah, this, but, with uh, all the stuff written on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I did. Tense. I did really like it though. I think it's one of. Uh, I mean, I would say it's his weirdest one since Crash, but I, I like. I yeah. think I like it. I like. The last one I liked the most probably History of Violence. So it's the best movie since then, I would say. Um, yeah, I loved it. What did you what, I, what did you favorites. watch this week? I watched I watched a few things, spent a lot of time watching uh, some TV as well, too. So the first one I watched uh, was Tangled, uh, just kind of a rewatch we did, uh, the <laughs> Disney movie from 2010. Um, kind of funny because funny. this one came at a time when Disney had kind of tried to do animated stuff again with like the Princess and the Frog. And then they kind of pivoted back to kind of going for these like kind of computer animated films that weren't like they're kind of shitty knockoff once they did the 2000s they were more like kind of done like the disney renaissance type films with like princesses and big musical scores and this one came before frozen and it was a hit but didn't do as well as frozen it's kind of a shame because like i think frozen really just like blew up and became this just massive billion dollar thing and i think dangle's actually a little bit of a better film like i just think the story is pretty funny um i love the characters i love how like the film focuses on like this woman, this woman having like this mother who's actually kind of like a shitty mom. I mean, we find out in the context of the film that, you know, she stole her from her parents and she's actually this evil kind of witch who's pretending to be her mom walking her in this tower. But I, I think a lot of people can kind of connect to that with kind of like, um, if they deal with kind of their own issues with kind of, you know, mothers and stuff like that. Kind of interesting to see like that rather than like shitty dads like they're in every other movie. So, and I, I love the guy who plays like Flynn Rider. Like that's such a funny kind of role and kind of skewers kind of the like, you know, the suave, like charming man, same the day. Not unlike like the kind of skewering of kind of societal or gender roles in like Frozen, except that was like the claim mm-hmm. and everyone loved it, but less so in this one. But it's, it still and looks really beautiful. Um, it kind of looks a little bit dated though too. at the same time. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah the little chameleon. Uh, Oh man, I forgot his name. It's like a French name, but yeah, he's so funny. Um, I remember watching this for the first time like a decade ago, and I'm like, wow, this is like the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Still looks good, but I'm like, wow, it looks like Fortnite now. Like, it, like all the animation. I'm like, wow, it's kind of <laughs> crazy how even in the last decade we can already see kind of the advances we've made in, in like CGI and stuff. It's like when you go back and watch like Monsters Inc. and you're like, wow, at the time this was like nothing looked better than like Sully's fur or whatever, and now it looks just kind of like anything you'd see like a ps5 game or something it's kind of it's kind of funny yeah. how that improves but it's it's a it's still a really fun film to come back to you know simple disney film like it would be a really good one to kind of watch if you have kids or something like that too so i um, had a good time with it and then um i'm punching and kicking myself because i saw this on last thursday it was the last day it was at the theater and um well just to give some context my partner she's been sick and i was like you know what due diligence i don't want to like i was sick before i don't want to like spread germs i'll stay home but fuck, like, I really wish I saw this in the theater because this was one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, Phil Tippett's Mad God. We talked about this a little bit last week because you saw it. Mm. And uh, yeah. I saw it. I was completely blown away. To me, this is one of my favorite movies um, I've seen. And like when I always talk about like my favorite movies, like five-star movies, I'm always looking for God movies. Tier, that God I, tier. Mad God, God tier. tier, if you will. If, <laughs> I'm looking at, like, a God, if you're looking at a God, God, God tier movie, tier. for me, it's got to be something that, this isn't a rule, but for, for me, I'm looking at films that like, stop doing something that like I've never seen done before or doing it yeah, something that's similar to me. I've, I've never really seen a stop film like done like this. Well, I mean, we've seen stop mm. footage films. Like, I mean, like fantastic Mr. Fuck has been a, a few here and there, but they're, you know, becoming very, very rare if it's not like Wallace and Gromit or something. But I mean, just the level of sheer artistry and detail and dark designs. Um, it's so good in this. And honestly, like 
I'm a massive fan. I say all the time, I'm a huge fan of like From Software, their games like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne. I got like such strong like Bloodborne vibes from this. Like the whole first like 40 <laughs> minutes, it's almost like straight out of like Dark Souls. It's just like a character. Yeah, it's, it's into, the like, lighting, the lighting bleak. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like Dante's Inferno kind of symbolism. The, the idea of like being lowered into like another almost like pain of existence there's a lot there where you, there's a lot of surrealism in that we know there's kind of a story of these two kind of two sides battling out kind of almost like oh it's it's almost like placed in like a futuristic like world war ii world war three kind of steampunk it's very kind of unclear of like what kind of time and place it is um, based on technology they have kind of like analog and basic computer systems but it, it, the story is really just the experience of this character descending into literal hell and then um I, I just I also got a lot of similar vibes from if you've played like the odd world games kind of in the 16 punk industry kind of showing these like giant beings being electrocuted and like they <laughs> shit out like goo that gets like refined to create servants that build more and work stuff it's very really interesting how it lays out its world as you kind of go through it yeah and, it's uh, a very darwinian world too you know they, yeah. they have that thing on the, the chopping block and that thing has like the axe i'm like no he's not gonna do it and then they show it like cut and i was like holy shit they yeah pull back you know it's funny because this one has been done like phil tippett's been working on this i mentioned last week i kind of gave some context phil tippett started working on this basically after he finished jurassic park so 30 years ago um kind of stopped working on it late 90s but kind of got back to it over the years here and there and this was released actually as a few short films so i think 2014 2016 i want to say 2018 they released these as part one part two part three um now they just put all the parts together and added kind of additional i think like 40 minutes of footage to kind of form the story and i was actually really invested in the story like i think the way that it kind of depicts like just the war machine as being this like toxic kind of pyrrhic thing that just destroys and kills everything and it got into like a little bit of like almost like metaphysics and i, I was actually really into like yeah kind of the, it, it, like the, the second yeah, half it's of very, it it's very it's, very, yeah. it's very allegorical isn't it you know yeah like the whole like i don't want to spoil the fucking movie but like it, it, <laughs> it kind of gives you like the sliver of hope at the end of almost like a big bang event and then it kind of like kicks you when you're down and it was, it, it's the movie is very nihilistic but in a way that like made me really think about kind of the nature of our world and our you know as as sort of like our capitalist systems wreak our, havoc our, our environment that world and we become more antagonistic towards each other and violent and you know what yeah. is at the heart of and what does the mad god even mean is the mad god the world they yeah. live in is it the fucking weird baby monster that's instructing all these slaves <laughs> to build things is it that kind of scientist creature guy who's got like the little terrarium where he's like letting his creatures hurt each other and he's torturing his like giants that shovel shit or it's it's so goopy there's no fucking movie that looks like this and frankly i don't think there ever will be again because you know no it's, it's, it's kind of very pretty old one so of I, kind. I, don't, I don't know if we're ever going to see a movie like this again i'm fucking kicking myself for not seeing the theater because like although i do hope that this becomes a big cult hit it seems like at least on shutter it's got like the big splash screen so it seems like a lot of people have started checking this out and are kind of getting into it. So I really hope this comes back on the big screen because it really um, needs to be seen. And I would love to see get a Blu-ray of this because I would want to know the background of how they made this movie and kind of worked on it. It was, I, I, I was, I went into this expecting kind of a cool visual feast, which I got, but I didn't expect to really connect. You got I didn't so expect much more. Like, <laughs> this is going to be like heavy metal, steampunk, Bloodborne, Oddworld, a little bit of like, um, I can't remember the the, um, the game programmer, but the guy who did like Heart of Darkness and like Another World, like a lot of mm. that sort of um, style too. Um, but yeah, what did, what did you think of it, Curtis? Because I know you saw it last week. And yeah, I, I, I had a hard time with it. Like uh, yeah. I think from an animated perspective, I mean, it's it's unlike, like you said, it's amazing, unlike anything you've seen. But I I, I didn't know how to feel about it actually because I, I, I was, you know, there's there's a lot, it's a emotional roller coaster when you watch it. Like there's so much gross at imagery too. And I liked a lot of the ideas behind it too, but I, 
I don't know. I'm still kind of like debating what I think about it too, because I'm not quite sure to be honest. But I did. Yeah. I do think it's unlike anything I've seen before too, and I think it deserves kind of all the accolades it's getting. Definitely. Um, yeah, certainly. Um, but, another one I watched um, for the first time was, uh, you know, the kind of a classic. Uh, I think it was like a 2006, 2007 movie, uh, "The Devil Wears Prada." One that I've heard a lot of people talk about over the years is like one of their favorite movies. Um, I really actually enjoyed it. I thought it was really fucking funny incredible <laughs> performances like stanley tucci's character was so kind of heartbreaking his story a little bit um really showing this like cutthroat fashion industry um that actually like you actually appreciate the fashion world a little bit watching it too i mean meryl streep gives like one of her best performances i think uh, at least in recent years i know a lot of her stuff now is kind of hackney uh, oscar mm, bait stuff yeah. but she's really phenomenal um playing miranda in that role and it's pretty funny though because like it's, it's actually a little bit i think it's a i think a lot of people look at the movie as being like very serious and like they're kind of critical about some of the plot choices but i think it's really on the nose and really silly like come on there's like there's like five scenes where they look at Anne Hathaway like oh you're such like a homely size six and she's like a objectively beautiful like supermodel looking yeah, actress and, gorgeous. and but like I, I interpret that as being like intentionally kind of funny in camp like I don't think the film is yeah. one that's you to actually think that's true um but I, yeah I, it's kind of funny some of the conversations that come out of this film because I think a lot of people especially in recent years, I've kind of looked on her boyfriend as being kind of a shitty character, which I interpreted that way too, because it's kind of like your job, it doesn't matter. My job is the most important. I don't know. There's a lot there about kind of women who commit themselves to their kind of careers and jobs. And it's like the idea that even if you're a woman who wants to commit yourself to a career, it has to be like a certain job or career that's acceptable in intellectualism yeah. or in, or in caring for others. It can't be something silly and frivolous like fashion, even yeah, though there's a lot there serious, in terms yeah. of the art world. And I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's got some warts, but I, I thought it was super funny and really thrilling the way it's shot too. Like the constant kind of pans and swipes between the different rooms in the offices or when she's rushing through town, through New York, and it's just people everywhere. And she's like, yelling in her phone and not even looking as she's crossing, like cutting, jaywalking through streets. It really makes New York feel like so, you know, chaotic and hectic and filled with people and, you know, very extroverted. And, and I actually mm. really enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. The devilish side to, to New York too. Yeah. I haven't watched that one. I might check it out too. You have my favorite uh, mini series on there too. What did you think of it? Uh, yeah. So I watched, uh, we really kind of binged it just the last two days. Uh, we watched uh, Sharp Objects. That's the 2018 uh, miniseries on, on HBO. I think based on a book by Jillian Flynn, who, you know, wrote Don. Yeah, Bell that was her first and, book. Yeah. 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 And, and stars like Amy Adams and, and a lot of other Christmas, you know, a lot of other folks. Um, I, I, I actually dug it quite a bit. I mean, it's kind of funny because I'd watched Mayor of Easttown before and I'm like, fuck, Mayor of Easttown is just kind of like a ripoff of this. Well, not a ripoff, but yeah. very similar. Um, <laughs> Indebted I, to know, it. Yeah. A woman who's clearly like, troubled and this, you know, Amy Adams is like a very severe alcoholic and kind of unlikable. I mean, she's like Self self-harming yeah. but she's a very troubled woman, you know, self-harms herself. And the show is really explicit and kind showing some of that stuff and so if you're someone who's like really triggered by like depictions of self-harm and body harm i would say maybe steal yourself before you at least watch this but um i did enjoy it i do have kind of issues a little bit with the ending i don't know i i just feel like a really detailed fleshed out kind of slow burn southern gothic shouldn't have had like a fucking 2013-esque indie horror and twist ending like it just kind of felt yeah. like a bit of a and you it, know with, it with, felt the, with, with, the te- with the with the teeth too like how does that work you know with that yeah i, I know, know. It, <laughs> it was it felt like so hack and i was reading reviews and people like oh man i love the ending i thought mirror of yeah. ending was so bad I'm did like, you, did you watch... was, was very similar but to me that ending at least kind of it ended and then it actually dealt with the mm-hmm. characters following that because they have they have some mid credit scenes they're actually quite disturbing but they just show like the the killer killing oh the, yeah the, i hated the, the yeah. scenes it kind of ruined yeah. it. i'm like why are you showing this it's just making <laughs> me like hate like it's, it's just so exploitative i don't know i don't want to spoil the show 
I did overall love the world it was I was invested in. I loved kind of yeah. the characters and you know, rest in peace, Jean Macvalie, you know, the Quebec uh, director who who made the series um, passed away just a few months ago. Um, you know, the way he edits it, kind of combining kind of the modern footage with like kind of the past. And I can't remember mm-hmm. the actress's name, but the actress who played uh, the young Beverly oh, yeah. plays Amy Adams' character and kind of how it cuts between her experiences and doesn't really tell you everything. You kind of fill in the gaps based on what you mm-hmm. see. Certain things are implied. Based the mother, on how... that mother, that mother's fucking cold. Like that yeah, mother. And wow. I mean, I did find that some of the kind of editing choices, some of those flashbacks felt a little excessive because I'm like, okay, we've seen this like seven times. I don't seem to see it again. But overall, it really worked in the kind of the early episodes where you don't yeah. really know what's going on. Um, I, I really enjoyed it regardless. Again, I wasn't high on the ending. It kind of ruined it a little bit for me, um, especially coming out of watching Chernobyl, which to me was like, I haven't seen a miniseries that good ever. Great, so great series, um, yeah. I loved, I still loved it. I had a good time. I don't know if I would put it over Mirror Vistan. Again, like I feel like Mirror Vistan was kind of a little bit yeah. more procedural, but to me, it kind of dealt with its overall world and characters in a way that I was like, I, this was, this yeah, was all everything. The ending- and, the ending for Mayor of Easttown was more effective, I think. I mean, yeah. I love the, the book for, I mean, I don't like Gone Girl that much, but I love Jillian Flynn's first book, um, uh, Sharp Objects. I think the book is amazing, too. So if you're interested in that, I mean, it's worth checking the book, too. Yeah. And that was, I think that, that, was about, that might like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was about it for me this week. And now we're getting into our topic du jour, um, talking our next entry of the John Carpenter Watch series. Um, a much different kind of movie. I mean, just to kind of give a recap, our last episode, we talked Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which... I thought it was okay. Uh, everyone else yeah. thought it was terrible. Yeah. I like, didn't finish it. But uh, uh, now we're talking. So in the early 90s, this was 1993. Um, John Carpenter was actually tabbed uh, to direct like a mini, a kind of like a an episodic um, series Tales for Showtime. From, Tales from the Crypt side. Yeah, style. kind of like, because I, I believe Tales of the Crypt is HBO. So it was kind of like this is going to be Showtime's yeah. kind of answer to Tales of the Crypt, where uh, John Carpenter would play this sort of like morgue technician. And he would kind of be like the kind of, Keeper role and kind of introduce these stories. Um, so it was originally going to be a TV uh, sort of show pitched at pitch like that as sort of the answer to HBO's Tales from the Crypt. Um, but eventually it was kind of scrapped and made into a film. So this was released on Showtime, aired on TV in 1993 as a um, kind of anthology film of three short films. Uh, the first two uh, directed by John Carpenter and kind of interestingly, the last one's actually directed by Toby Hooper, which it's interesting because like I think Toby Hooper his entry in this in this movie is very is very a little bit more darker a little bit more like edgy yeah. and serious the first two yeah, i mean, ra- I mean rape and sexual assault yeah, yeah. i mean like the first the first one's a pretty straightforward horror but like I, the second mm-hmm. one's definitely kind of more of a silly one but they kind of there's a sense of kind of just like john carpenter's like tongue-in-cheek but toby hooper kind of plays it pretty <laughs> straight with his entry it's always interesting with anthology films especially when we get when we're going to get to our ratings because i find um, this is, I think, our first anthology film we've really spotlighted. But like, I think I always so. Find, yeah, I always find anthology films are interesting because you can kind of look at it as, as at least like it's kind of a critic, as a two ways. You can kind of look at like each entry and kind of quantify how you felt and give a score, or you can just kind of feel like how it overall is composed and presented. Yeah, especially well, with the bumper some- sequences and stuff like that. I find sometimes like the anthologies, like you get a really good one, like Trick or Treat, which is amazing, or mm-hmm. Creep Show. You know, and I think maybe they're going for more of a Creep Show. Thing, but I mean, as yeah. we'll probably say too, I mean, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag with this one, mixed, a mixed yeah. body bag. <laughs> Fra- and frankly, like I, I'm honestly not really high on Jen Carpenter. I think he kind of sucks as the. No, his jokes character. weren't funny. <laughs> I mean, it's the nice pr- to see him, but I was like, 
his jokes didn't. I, I really like John Carpenter as like an individual and as like a co- commenter. Yeah. I love his commentaries, especially when he's having a few beers with um, Kurt Russell <laughs> and they're just watching the thing and they're fucking cracking up, like crying, laughing about the goofiest shit because they're both like four beers in. I love, I love him. I think he's an amazing, you know, filmmaker, musician, smart, well spoken man. I just feel like he's not really well equipped to be the kind of crypt people role. He's a little bit too dry, a little bit too mumbly. He's kind of like, oh, yeah. this next tree. And, and, like, like, really fast. <laughs> and I don't know what it was, but I was watching this on Shutter, and I felt like the the the, the version I was watching on Me Shutter, too. the uh, the video, like the audio was a little bit too blown out of time. So it was like when it would the volume would go up, it felt a little bit too like screechy, and I was just like, I was having like a hard time. I have a close captain's on, but I was like having like, a hard time just like hearing him speak. I was like, uh, yeah, because it was kind of like mum- a little mumblecore, you know, like Mur-r-r-r. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, oh, it was next. <laughs> I, I was waiting. I, I was wa- I was waiting for this like you know the crypt keeper laugh, and I was like, oh, it's not it's not doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very very silly by his standards, and I mean, this kind of period of time was really when Carpenter was embracing like his master of horror label, which I mean, a decade yeah. later would go on to participate in the master of horror kind of series, but you know, yeah. kind of at the expense of I guess of his kind of critical kind of acclaimed side because i mean he's a through the 80s i made some of the the best films of all time and is genuinely a really solid filmmaker so um i guess it's a gift and a curse that he kind of went the route of like kind of hack like american dario or gentile like oh look at me the master of horror i'm the horror guy and i don't know it's kind of interesting though because wes craven who's kind of like that type appears in the first entry which is the gas station and i actually think wes craven's a pretty good actor especially in that kind of creepy role as kind of that yeah. weird guy oh yeah and, yeah I think I, Sam Raimi's in it too. He has, he plays like the employee, the dead employee of the year. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. One of the things that's really cool about this and all the entries and is there's so many kind of cameos and just each entry is full of like celebrities and kind of casting cameos. I mean, the first entry, let's we can talk the first one, the gas station, um, kind of almost just plays the street, almost like Halloween or the fog. It's like this young woman uh, called Anne, played by I think Alex Dasher. She's kind of getting hired to work this job in this gas station and it's just kind of following her in this gas station it's very quiet at night is kind of really strange people kind of emerge and show up there's like a homeless man at one point played by george buck flower you know a carpenter mainstay and then there's like a bunch of other people uh west craven as mentioned shows up uh robert carradine uh shows up as well too um but you know overall it, it plays it a little bit straight but i actually really dug the first entry and to me i think the first well, me too part was my favorite it, it, one of the three you get the kind you get that kind of like i've never i know quinn has worked at a gas station but i've never worked at like a i mean i've worked a ton of jobs i worked at wendy's you know that was my mm-hmm. first job working till 3 a.m you get some fucking weird ass yeah i used, I used to wear clothes at the grocery store and it's like you get like yeah the or just leaving the well, parking yeah, we, lot at night and walking around it's kind of it's like hey kind of on know, edge, like, yeah you know, <laughs> yeah but like you know you get all the you get the kind of mundane feel and they I mean they, they've been using this idea a lot in video games lately you know where you play the the employee who may or may not survive the night too like and I five think night at freddy's yeah you're like stuck yeah. in the building with the cameras and stuff yeah. yeah and like yeah you get that kind of mundane feel like just the the kind of weird ass customers and you know she's you know she's an attractive kind of sexy woman you know so like they she gets kind of you know get on um, and stuff like that, yeah. creeps kind of coming after and stuff and you know it's kind of scary to be a woman working in that kind of situation you know where you have all these yeah. weirdos and you don't know what they want you know yeah and it feels very carpenter too like the scenes where she's kind of walking through the gas station to like the bathroom and it kind of follows that kind of carpenter style but kind of following tracking i mean this is not filmed in his like anim- anamorphic style it's all kind of made for tv so it's kind of four three but there's even that scene where um i don't want to spoil too much but the guy is kind of knocked down and we were seeing her from like 
20 yards away and then we see mm. him kind of sit up it's classic like halloween it's a referential of mike myers sitting up so yeah it, it's very it, and it, it, haddonfield's even name name dropped is on the radio as like the nearby town so i guess this kind of like exists in the same world as uh as halloween i i kind of jumped to there's that one scene where she goes in the garage and, and you're like oh shit what happened she just trips on a wire but it like made me jump and I, that was yeah. very effective for especially for a tv movie so i mean he's still uh you know he's he still got it with this film too, but I mean, and, it kind of wanes, I think, as he goes yeah, on. Yeah, and a, a really good kill at the end where the guy's squished in the car and it's just blood yeah. shoots out like <laughs> yeah, punch, kill Bill punch style. coming yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, but oh, I think overall, I, I think uh, we'll jump into the other ones. But to me, I think this was my favorite one. It just felt like this yeah, one kind of played. It felt like a, just like yeah. a C tier short film that kind of felt very similar. Like again the Halloween or even the fog because the fog it follows, you know, this lone character in this radio station at night and kind of as weird things start to happen. And it kind of gave me those vibes. Um, but that, you know, then takes us to our second entry hair. Uh, oh, I hated the Stacey Peach is <laughs> this like, you know, man with male pattern baldness. Super, he's worried super about insecure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this one is girlfriend. He's like, he's like, what, what about my hair? What about yeah, I'm like, man, played by, uh, the way you Sheena, are. Sheena Easton's is like wife or whatever, you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. And then uh, of course your favorite Deborah Harry playing the nurse is pretty funny too. Yeah. And she's like being all like flirty with it. Like, wow, look at your hair or whatever. And it's like, Oh, but this one's more of like a tongue in cheek one. It's a uh, Stacy Keach anxious about losing his hair. Uh, he's trying to kind of style it and he's kind of like, insecure about it. And then he goes in, uh, to this doctor to get like I guess like a hair kind of transplant through showing him like different styles of hair that's kind of a funny scene where he's like this is the republican look and it's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek and then he gets this like long Fabio-esque hair but the you know he finds out that the hair isn't what it seems to be and you know it, this one's not a particularly scary entry I don't think it's it's more of like a lot of these anthology films even even the really good ones like Creepshow have their kind of like scarier ones and then they have the ones that are kind of just like almost like a way to kind of let out steam a bit. It's like, if you were really scared, here's one that's going to kind of set you at ease, kind of maybe put you in a mood where you're going to be a little bit more open for, to get, then get scared after. So um, I, I didn't, I, I like you, I didn't enjoy this one as much. It was pretty funny though. Um, especially like the, like the goofy hair effects, the little like worm hairs or whatever. Um, kind of early, it's a little bit of early CGI. Um in, in that but uh, overall it was kind of just straightforward and there wasn't really much going on it was just like Stacy Peach getting here and stuff so yeah. yeah I think I for me I didn't really get the sense of humor too and I was like yeah you know like you get it you know like you feel insecure but your hair I mean I never had a problem I always really yeah, care but like I mean I don't know like I just I didn't find it very funny and it didn't I kind of skipped over it so I could tell yeah. the third one you know I'm like it felt Mark very Hamill, of its time know? of like a certain generation of men who were like oh my hair and it's like I don't know yeah nowadays yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like man like you've got nothing to worry about you've got this gorgeous girlfriend I mean you got yeah nice he's like, got a good head really, too he can shave his yeah. head he look pretty he'd look pretty solid he's yeah he's got that beautiful like baritone voice or bass voice I guess in baritone, yeah you'll be fine know. man yeah yeah, yeah. It'll, don't worry I'll give you I'll give you, you want a hug I'll give you a hug <laughs> pretty good effects though and actually Greg Nicotero um I think cameos is like a his role as man and with dogs so he's in and he's like a legendary kind of special effects guy too presumably worked in this film and i do like when uh richard coberts that's the character stacy place has like the hair growing out of his like, cheeks and everything he's kind of becoming mm. this fully grown almost like uh, me after like a rough saturday or something uh like that and then uh <laughs> Our, so our last entry is a bit different because it's not directed by carpenter directed by uh, toby hooper this one's called i um this one interestingly enough stars mark hamill uh, of you know star yeah, wars like, fame this is coming from like his joker years too i think when yeah he's this Batman was like around series. the same time he was kind of just becoming more of a voice actor guy, I, I, so. miss, I miss like cutesy luke skywalker because he i know something happened in the 80s and he, he just he was he in a really so bad car accident uh, like that's it yeah before before empire strikes back he was in a really bad car accident famously and that's why yeah. like he looks 
he has like a much he has like a big scar on his face and that's why mm-hmm. it's actually in the in the film empire strikes back that's why they have luke get attacked by the uh whatever that is the monster is not the tauntaun the the fucking yeti dude and gets like kind of the mangled face that's that's done in the film to kind of canon make it oh that's why he looks a little bit different you know um but yeah he's in this uh, oddly enough twiggy plays his like wife uh kind of an interesting <laughs> appearance by twiggy and uh, yeah this one is definitely a little bit darker it follows mark hamill as this kind of minor league baseball player who's really good you know we find out maybe he's gonna make like uh the big leagues on a way home he gets in a really nasty car accident where he's he kind of crashes and gets a big shard of glass in his eye um, he gets some surgery done on him. And actually Roger Corman plays one of the doctors, you know, one of those great exploitation filmmakers. And um, he gets kind of his eye replaced with a different eye. Um, but then weird things start happening. We find out this eye actually belonged to this kind of rapist killer maniac. And so, you know, now it's starting to affect uh, the character. That <laughs> now, even though, plays. now even, though, even though it's just his eye is going to be like acting crazy like the rapist guy. <laughs> yeah. And he starts like seeing things of like bo- the bodies that were buried and he's kind of having hallucinations and it's, yeah, it's like kind of like affecting his like whole mood, kind of a little bit like Christine, where uh, the nerdy character starts to become kind of an asshole, and he's like the car's almost like <laughs> infecting his mind and turning him into a, a prick and calling everyone shitters or whatever. But yeah, this one is is pretty pretty disturbing. Like it's a little bit certainly darker subject material than the last one, where we're dealing with like Mark Hamill. Uh, it's almost like this vicious rapist character, and we even get a scene where he's butt naked on the bed and you get to see his ass so that's pretty funny too if you want to see luke skywalker's booty uh but uh <laughs> i always started to zone out a little bit because i think this one at this mm. point I was it, kind it, of, it, me, it, it meanders i think yeah i mean all of these all of these entries are pretty pretty long because i think this is like they're all like roughly like a half an hour each or so so it, the movie comes up pretty like overall pretty pretty long but you know you look at something like creep show which is i think like two hours and a bit and it's like all the entries kind of vary in length and i feel like sometimes those anthologies movies that kind of have kind of movies or, or entries that they kind of give a lot of time to and some that are kind of a little short films i feel like those kind of make kind of the pacing of those things work better uh but yeah i did i did like this one uh pretty pretty disturbing any too where he kind of just stabs his eye and you know can't take it anymore uh but overall that's about it and then we find out you know the whole morgue kind of story because we have like john carpenter is this like morgue technician who's yeah like, plot twist you know toby hope is a mortician too yeah yeah he's <laughs> actually dead the whole time he was like a he was like a uh, one of the bodies there too and yeah toby hooper's there and i think tom arnold is also one of the technicians too uh nice pretty skinny. funny there <laughs> but uh yeah overall i i gotta say i, oh, yeah. I enjoyed <laughs> i enjoyed this it was a pretty fun little film actually they have i think on shout factory the shout factory a streaming app they have this film but with the audio commentary so i, I would be kind of interested to watch this with Carpenter talking about like making this. Yeah, what he has to say trance. about it, you know. Yeah, because I haven't really heard much about this one. This was kind of again like a one-off, uh, one of his minor works. But I-, I think it's a pretty fun anthology film. There's a lot of people out there who are suckers for kind of anthology films. Me myself, I like them. Like I love like, the VHS series. I think um, those are really good, even though some of the entries in those films vary a bit. Um, the ones that are really good, I find are are very good. Like I think VHS two has that like long anthology part with the kind of cult. Um, and I, I, when I watched that, I was like, that could have been its own movie. And I would have been like heavily invested in this like found footage called um, really cool stuff. But, you know, overall, this one, I, I think overall, the gas station was one I think would have been kind of a cool little short film. I wouldn't I would have be interested to actually watch like a film kind of based on that kind of environment. Uh, but the other two were kind of just throwaways for me. I wasn't super invested in them, but I, I enjoyed the experience overall watching it. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Deborah Harry too, because I was just thinking that uh, you know she was in the Tales from the Dark Side critical anthology too, in like yeah, the right. prologue, 
bit too. So kind of a fun fact, you know, but yeah, yeah, I felt the same too. I felt it was kind of a mixed bag for me. You know, I liked, I liked the gas station a lot, but then the second one I, I kind of skipped over and then the, I was, it was okay, but uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see him attempt the uh, anthology and it's not like the other ones. It's kind of a fun, you know, Saturday night or Sunday yeah. night to watch the production on. It's pretty good. I mean, this was like just made for TV movie, but like it looks mm. yeah, for, pretty sharp. And there but... was, there was those like scenes too. Then the one that made me jump too. And I mean, that's, and you know, the, the gory thing in the gas station too, you know, that's pretty well done for a TV movie. So yeah, it like it's fun. actually pretty edgy for like, uh, um, again, like a showtime. I mean, showtime is like kind of late night cable, but like even, even when the John Carpenter is pulling out like the bodies out of like the frozen, he's like, Oh, breast implants or whatever. It's like kind of a little like, <laughs> edgy i'm like oh it's for yeah, like a, it, it, for, he fell for like 900 yards this, this is what's left of him you know? yeah the goopy like ziplock or whatever <laughs> i'm like for what this was probably here presumably nine o'clock or on a cable i'm like yeah it's pretty pretty dark and, and Don't your kids watch for, that <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah overall I, I thought it was pretty fun i had a good time with it definitely not like one of carpenter's best films obviously this is and i mean he didn't even direct all of these so uh but overall it was fun kind of interesting to think of a world where like this actually became like a tv show that carpenter was involved in um of course, later, this is kind of feels like almost a little bit of foreshadowing to later when he was part of the whole, you know, Masters of Horror show. And we'll talk about that when we get really to the end of the John Carpenter Watch series talking. Maybe I think maybe we'll do an episode just talking those like two films he did um, for, for that show. Um, kind of a show that has a lot of kind of, again, also a lot of mixed bag stuff. Some of it's kind of shady and some of it's OK at the very least. I always like the Dario Argento one. I think it's Jennifer with like the. Kind of mm. creepy woman i always oh, i watch yeah, as a kid she's that's got, like, the, the shit out of me she's yeah. got like the the monster the scary face and she like yeah bites people i watched yeah. that as a kid when it came out and i, I thought that was so scary but I, probably coming back mm. to it i'd be like this is terrible <laughs> knowing yeah. like period argento i don't know how how big I'd yeah, be into it, but, uh, hit or miss <laughs> yeah but uh why don't we just give our scores like curtis what did you think about body bags i gave it a three out of five too so yeah. i thought yeah it was a bit of a mixed bag i liked the idea behind it but I mean, I think it's much, you know, I like the Tales from the Crypt series or, you know, something like uh, uh, Elvira or, or something instead. I think it's much better watch. But I mean, it, uh, the gas station is a good segment. I, I think that's worth uh, sticking around for. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I, I did the same three out of five. Overall, really enjoyed it. I'm not, my, not my favorite anthology film, certainly. Like, it's nowhere near Creepshow. It's nowhere near, like, the best of them. But it, it's pretty yeah. satisfying. And it's, it's no a trick good or production. treat. <laughs> good production design. Uh, again, as mentioned, the gas station entry was my favorite. It's the first, it's kind of sucks because it's the first one. So it's like the first one, it's really good. And then the other two are kind of throw they're not as good so you kind of zone out so i kind of had a little bit of zone out in the last two uh, but they're still really well filmed really well shot um really kind of interesting effects too uh pretty dark especially that last one um but yeah overall i gave it a three out of five i liked it a little bit more than memoirs from the visible man i guess but uh yeah it was uh not nothing nothing amazing but i would say if you if you i would recommend people check this one out because again i think it's a it's roughly like i think like 95 minutes long or something so it's a pretty pretty short one too so you can kind of bang through this in an evening so uh, this one i believe is on on shutter it's also i think on mm-hmm. some other services as well too probably you can find screen, it on the screen factory too yeah yeah on screen factory yeah you could watch this on a lot of things so uh yeah definitely check it out john carpenter's body bags pretty pretty fun um and i think our next john carpenter uh watch series entry in the mouth of madness in the mouth of madness an actual feature film and one that i've heard a lot of people be really positive on so i'm really excited yeah. to see it's sam sam neil's back so that's good. he's back baby <laughs> yeah and it's, this is sort of like the the third entry of the like quasi like apocalypse trilogy with like the thing um prince of darkness in this one and i mean the thing in prince of darkness i was like these are like 
primo movie. So I'm really excited to check that one out. And, you know, it's kind of weird. We're getting almost to the end of John Carpenter watch series. Like we've got uh, just a few more after, I mean, we got like vampires and I guess the, God, the last one with that Amber Heard, the, 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 uh, the Ward. Yeah, we have to watch that one. That's good. And I think, as mentioned, I, I don't think we mentioned on, on the air, but I'm thinking because looking at the schedule, I think we're going to finish that series roughly around October. I was thinking maybe we'll do a little bonus like Halloween two, Halloween three, because he worked on those pretty mm. clearly. Didn't direct them though, but you know those have his fingerprints on them, and that'd be kind of fun to talk two and three in the October for especially the third season. one is fucking weird <laughs> so yeah oh man and the third one's actually more what Carpenter wanted the series to be because he kind of envisioned it almost like a anthology kind of Halloween show that or film that never really happened so it was kind of more of like the vision if he wanted it Halloween to be which is kind of cool so uh, yeah I'd be I'd be interested to check that one out uh, but yeah that's about it for now although coming up non-Carpenter wise we're going to be doing Curtis's canon film entry um, I think it's the Peter Jackson splatter horror yeah, dead alive, yeah, de- dead alive banned in Canada for a number of years, but I think it's legal yeah. to watch now or screen or something. I hope the, hope the feds don't arrest me. I'm going to get swatted on our zoom. Yeah. call. Like, <laughs> <laughs> watch out. In, like, <laughs> put that, put that video down. Like, oh, okay. That, turn that off. So yeah, hopefully I don't Keep get that video uh, nasty away. <laughs> hopefully I don't get party van, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, what is it? The, Suma- the Sumatran, rat, the Sumatran rat monkey. <laughs> yeah. <That's it. laughs> And uh, yeah, excited to chat that one. Uh, so we got some more stuff coming up. Uh, anything you want to plug or mention, Curtis, uh, before we wrap up? Uh, no, I'm going to try and watch some more movies. We have lots more for next week, too. Yeah. And then I got my girlfriend into The Boys, too. So I'm going to try to finish watching The oh, Boys cool. uh, this week, too. I think they have all the episodes are almost finished sharing. And then be more better call us all discussions, too. But I, I know not everyone's watched it, so we'll try not to spoil too much. But it'll be fun. Cool, cool. Yeah, and myself, like, uh, yeah, I've got some more stuff to watch, too. There's actually a lot of really good films coming out. Uh, the Bike Town just put up their July schedule, and there's, like, Singing in the Rain anniversary. They're showing that. They're showing the 4K Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Lost Highway's coming as well, too, which I'm very excited to see in July. So a lot of amazing stuff coming that I, a lot of it I've never seen before, so excited to check that out. And uh, I've also been watching the, I, I didn't mention it because I didn't finish it yet, but I'm watching the HBO series Winning Time, and I love it. So hopefully going to wrap that up next week, and have a chance to gush about it because I think it's fucking cool. So uh, if you if you, and Quing, if you and Quinn get a chance to watch the Black Phone too, I think you guys would really like that one. So I definitely check it in the theaters. If you, yeah, if you get I gotta a chance. see. I, I saw. I know it's available. I think for rental. So I have a yeah. free rental. I think I have enough points, so I might, <laughs> I might just rent and watch. But uh, otherwise, I, I'll see maybe if it's like available on streaming or something. But probably not. I'll probably have to just maybe rent it or go see it. So yeah, I'll definitely check mm-hmm. that one out. And uh, yeah, folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Uh, stay spooky. Take care. We'll see you soon. Stay safe. Bye.